Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. your hosts, Holly Azapati and Jordana Levine. In this week's episode, we explore the concept of integration, from energy work to moments between personal development work and new lessons. We reco an all-natural organic beauty product and a creative way to get your gratitude practice in, and I guess the natal chart of a former US president. We wrap up the app talking friendships in the time of CoStar. <laughs> That's so good. I can't wait for that conversation. We will judge you by your natal chart. It's a given. <laughs> Before we dive into the chat, Jord, how are you today? Yeah, I'm really good. It's um, it's the first cloudy day we've had in Byron for a little while, which is interesting because it's felt like summer right up until this point, and now it feels like winter. <laughs> That's ideal. You love winter. You love cold. I even love the rain. I mean, not like forever, but no. But for a change in season, I do, I'm very much about feeling the different seasons and making sure that each season is its own. And I think, you know, with climate change being a thing, um, we really are limited to how many seasons we actually get now. So true. Especially up here. Like we pretty much get summer and autumn and that's it. Wow. Yeah. So when you get a winter day, it's like, let's just milk this. Yeah. It's interesting when you mentioned that, I'm like, oh, there are those people and I'm kind of one of those people, inverted commas, who run from winter and are forever chasing summer in terms of summer weather, warmth and like summer holidays. And it, it, it lends itself to the question of are we also running from stopping, slowing, hibernation and introspection, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it's layered, right? Like, The reason that, I I mean, I love elements of summer. I love the social aspect of summer. I love eating and drinking outdoors. I love being able to be out in nature. The reason I don't love summer is that I overheat really easy. You do. Yeah. So like I feel very flustered and overwhelmed when I get really hot and the summers in Australia are just getting hotter and hotter. Um, Mm. But if I could have an eternal spring and autumn year that would be perfect for me I feel like spring is my favorite like when the it's when the breeze and the wind picks up that little bit of bit of warmth in the air and you're mm. like oh that I don't know that lingering and jasmine starts coming out and yeah. it smells so good as well I know so so good um how are you this week I'm excited because today I uh, have an integration session with friend of the podcast, kinesiologist Zoe Bosco. Uh, and this has been a five-week integration for me, Jord, between – and we'll explain what integration means. I mean, that's the purpose of this episode. But between the the process and what I've been working on with Zoe to today, it has been – yeah, it'll be four and a half weeks of integrating and I'm ready for it to be over. Yeah, it's interesting, <laughs> isn't it? Like whether you've done work with Zoe or not energy work in general or actually any kind of work that you're doing any kind of personal development work even I would go so far as to say when I used to study at school 
and at university. It's like there's this period of learning or in your case, this period of shifting and changing energetic frequencies within you and new ways of thinking and new belief systems and all this sort of stuff. It's one thing to shift. It's another thing for all of the cells, all of the thoughts, all of the feelings that you're so conditioned to experience Mm. actually integrating to this new pattern and these new habits. Yeah. And that's often, I find at least, Jord, and I know we're quite similar. That's where the discomfort comes up. We're happy to learn the things. We're happy to read the books and do the work and show up for the one-on-one sessions and do the clears. But once you've done that work, the period of letting it all land and actually embodying a whole new way of being, that's where it's like, oh, I take it back. I don't want it anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's funny. I, I feel for you. I really do because we've both had some massive shifts with the work that Zoe does and any kinesiologist does. But until it's fully integrated, um, yeah, it's very, very uncomfortable to sit in. Yeah, but it's repatterning. It's repatterning years and years and and lifetimes, lifetimes of crap. Yeah. So basically when we talk about integration and I've never explained it before, so pick me up if I miss anything, Joy, but the way I see integration is the period between the learning and the shifting and then the embodying. So it really is a space in between for any gaps to be filled, any lessons that need to be learned likely arise, and also for your energy to kind of ground and shift and become more embodied. Uh, that's, That's the way I would describe integration. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. I think like if we want to make it even simpler, it's sort of, it's it's about um, learning something. So integrating through the mind and then putting it into action. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And, that, and it doesn't actually have to be just energetic work, just work with your healer or your kinesiologist, right? You can integrate in a number of different ways. Absolutely. I mean, if we want to put it um, in a relevant context, if we look at this Black Lives Matter movement and the work of anti-racism, you know, you and I are trying to educate ourselves about this. And part of that process, which we've been very clear about when sharing education resources, is not just to read it, but to actually integrate it and take action on it. Yes, exactly. And this word just keeps repeating in my head. I've said it a few times, embody it, embody it. And what does it take to embody the lessons that you're learning or the shifts that you're making in your micro or your macro world? And that's going to look different to everybody depending on their life experiences and depending on what they're working on. Absolutely. I mean, even if we look at um, the experiences that we had during self-isolation when the pandemic was fraught, um, it's one thing to go, oh, I learned, I learned lots of things during that pandemic. But it's like, well, what are you going to do about it going forward? Like you yes. learned that you do enjoy time on your own or you learned that perhaps you mask insecurities through um, making yourself busy with social um, occasions or whatever it mm. might be. Mm. But going forward, now that you know this about yourself, what are you going to do differently? Yeah, it's a new way of being and that's where like, we're both in the game of evolution and growth and development, you know, personal development. It is how do you develop from this? So it's one thing to read all the right books and listen to the podcasts and have the conversations, but are you actually taking it on and changing the way that you are showing up? Because 
that's the work and that's the stuff that is the easiest bit to run from. Yeah, it's funny, you know, I'm thinking of myself during, and I think you're a bit different or maybe you were the same. We've had this conversation, but high school and um, tertiary education, I would always cram right before an exam. So I would never actually learn anything. I would just remember it for the 24-hour period that I needed to, and then I'd forget about it. And that's kind of where I think a lot of people go with personal development education. They'll read all of the books and they get really excited that they can name all the books that they've read. But is there space between each teaching, each learning in order to integrate it? Because I think the space is the most important bit. This The space is the bit where the realisations land that you can't force to happen. There's no force in integration. You've just got to let it land. And that that's where you're sitting in space and not doing the journaling prompts and not sitting opposite a healer in any way and and really sitting with self and trusting that the shifts will take place. And it's often the nature of hindsight, right, George? Like you and I are not the same women who started this podcast. If we went and listened to those podcast episodes, we'd be like, (laughs) oh, so cute. Bless us. But it's not that we consciously set out to do anything differently. We've just been in the work, processing, integrating, and showing up in a newly embodied way time and time again. Mm. Have there been moments in your life, George, where an integration process has been more taxing than it usually is on your system? (laughs) Going to the hard-hitting questions. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Can you share with us, please? Uh... Let me let me look at my long list of discomfortable. <laughs> that's not a word. Uncomfortable integrations. Um, yeah, I mean, oh god, I don't even know. I, I don't know what to say. I guess relationship stuff sometimes takes a while to land for me. Like um, knowing knowing what's right and knowing what will eventually heal needs time to heal. You know, and rushing that integration piece. Um, is something I try and do to get through it so that I can move past it. But it, it really is a it really is a time game. And it and it has its own time, right? It has its own, it's the divine timing piece. It has its own trajectory. We actually don't really you can roughly say, okay, integration, because I do this in my readings if I do a chakra clear. Integration will be about five days, but that's like if you're in the work and doing the work and allowing yourself to really integrate and not rushing it because otherwise it could go on and on and on and on before the lessons really land. Absolutely. What about you? What's what's something quite pivotal well, for you with an integration? Do you know what? This integration period has been a big one for me. So I'm, I'm happy to share what I'm working on. I'm working on um, dismantling my relationship with masculinity and my own relationship with masculine energy myself, um, but also that weaves into all of the men that I've ever had in my life. So it's been, you know, just a really light integration period. <laughs> but what tends to happen to me through integrations, and I've created a reframe around it because this is why I tend to like do a session with Zoe and then run away because I'm like, not another integration. Uh, I will usually get some form of conflict arise in the context of what we're clearing. So I I have experienced um, some grief and some heavy emotion come up in the context of certain men in my life and sitting in that and allowing it to come up to feel it has been awful. It's been awful, but I have the awareness to know 
This is what integration feels like. It's not meant to be easy and breezy because I wouldn't have shifted anything otherwise. And also how are you meant to know that you're integrating unless you're met with something that raises the issue? It's so true. And a lot of the time I feel, Jord, it is emotionally fueled in some way. Integration doesn't always feel like grief. Sometimes integration can feel like inspiration and excitement and like newfound wisdom. But it, I guess if there is, as you said, no shift in your energetic state of being, then you've not changed anything. So what are you integrating? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. This is where I've found that of becoming familiar with the scale of consciousness. Um, so Dr. Richard, fuck, Dr. David Hawkins and his scale of consciousness goes through all of the varying degrees of emotion that we can feel. And when I pull that up in front of me and I'm able to pinpoint, okay, right now I'm here and I'm in grief and I'm feeling grief and that's okay. I'm going to feel it to move through it because that will shift me up this scale. It kind of gives you permission to really let the emotion move through you. And we've spoken about this before, Jord. Absolutely. And I think you know, they talk about the, is it, how many stages, <laughs> how many stages of grief are there? Seven. The seven stages of grief. Yeah. And you can almost, and I'm just giving grief as one example, but you can tick, you can almost tick them off if you are integrating through the proper process of grieving, you yes. know? And I think you can see that when you do uh, pull up the scale of consciousness and guys, don't ask us for it. Just Google it. That's all you have yeah. to do. All you have to do is Google. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can see you you can see yourself moving through those and sort of where you're headed to say, oh, you know, I've come out of grief and I'm moving into. I don't have it in front of me, acceptance. but acceptance. Yeah, I know because I literally did that last week. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I up the seven stages of grieving, and I was like, okay, I've been through these three, and I've got these four to go. Yeah. And it, it almost empowers you rather than feeling blindsided by the emotion that comes up. I feel that's uh, also important when you're working alongside a practitioner that you trust because they are going to likely be there to respond to you in your integration periods where you're feeling a little, you know, out of control with what's what's downloading for you. And that's really important that you're always working in the context of personal development work and spiritual work with someone that you trust that can hold you through a process that will likely bring up some heavier emotions and experiences. Yeah. 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 What about integrating, Jord, between being in the work? Because you and I love to, you know, read the books and listen to the podcasts and have the sessions with Zoe. But it's so important that we integrate between each of those things rather than pile them on top of one another, right? Oh, yeah. And I've found that I've got more and more and more space between stuff. And, and you know, I know that you do too. I mean, when you went through a period last year where you were just like, nothing, I don't want to do anything. Exactly. Yeah, it's really important uh, for me. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like the integrations are getting bigger and bolder and more taxing. Um <laughs> the more work that I do. So I really have to take the time between sessions. Otherwise I burn out, which is what happened to me this year. I had, I think I had two kind of big um, quantum collapses quite close to each other. And I don't think I'd integrated the first one before I did the second one. And I, it actually floored me physically. Floored you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's like, uh, almost learning from our mistakes that people don't have to be flawed before they take the space between. And is it that simple, Jord? Is it just taking space and time between each piece of work? 
Yeah, because also I think what you'll find is as you start to do work, whether it's around relationships or finances or, you know, whatever, masculinity, um, it'll start to affect the other areas of your life. So I I did a lot of, um, the first collapse I did was around uh, writing because I was just stuck in a a steel cage of emotion. where I just couldn't write anything. And um, I did a big quantum collapse around that, which was great. But then I had uh, quite a personal thing come up that I also had to do work on in order to get on with life. Um, but I hadn't really integrated the first bit yet. So, yeah, yeah it was it was big. And sometimes the, the integration after effect, so the benefits that you hope to have received from doing the work, can take a long time to land. Like I'm seeing seeing integration after effects from work I did maybe eight months ago landing right now. Yeah. And, and I had to go through all of this kind of turmoil in the context of my business specifically to get here. It's like, oh, holes three months ago was like that work didn't work. It didn't land. It's like, yeah. no, no, no. You really had to embody and integrate on a level that I was so unaware of when I was in it. Yeah. You know? I think another way that you can look at this if you're not doing energy work is you might be in a, a discussion or a confrontation, an argument with a partner, and they yeah. raise an issue that triggers you, and you can see some truth in it. Mm. And it's about going, okay, yeah, I see that in me, and going away and sitting with it and allowing it to integrate so that you fully comprehend it, so that you can move forward differently. It's the notion of responding versus reacting, right? Mm. Yeah. That's so interesting, George. Yes, because do you know what? Integration and having an integration period between the work or whatever it is, is a relatively new concept for me. So when I first started running my online program three years ago, one of the guest coaches, all of the women on the program are like, oh, how do we work with you? And you'll be the next thing we go to. And he said, no, allow yourself to integrate first. And I remember at the time I was like, nah, just go into the next thing. Like, why would you stop, you know? But now it lands so much. It's like, no, you you actually need to sit with everything you've journeyed through before you tick the next box, go to the next thing. And that I feel uh, a lot of maybe listeners and ourselves can respond to if you've got that high achiever tendency is you've got your list of your things and it becomes really exciting and, okay, what's the next thing I can work on? And that's been 100% me majority of my life with this, this work. Um, so it's really nice to go, hang on a second, life's a marathon, not a sprint. There's no rush to get this work done and we can take some time. We can take some breathers. Yeah. I guess it's also like when you launch, um, say, a new product or perhaps just a new strategy in your business and it's not picking up the momentum that you thought it would straight away. So you're like, okay, I'm going to try something else. But you yes. actually haven't had given it an opportunity to integrate and for people to get on board and for people to absorb and, you know, and you're like, okay, I'll change the price. I'll change this. I'll change that. And it's like, well, no, hang on. Let's just give it some space. Sit with it. Hmm. Yeah. I also feel that, um, oh, gee, why does this keep happening? It's because I'm very, very. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Margaritas. (laughs) (laughs) Hang on. The brain is not doing the things it's supposed to do. Uh, Ah. So I feel like it's almost this counterproductivity. No. I feel like when it comes to leaky energy, Mm. 
you are less inclined to leak your energy if you've sat in integration. And so what I mean by this, Jordi, is back in the day, I used to show my face a lot more on Instagram stories. It was like everything that I was experiencing, the cameras in my face all the time, right? Even the, the memory that's coming to mind is when I received a really abusive email and the email dropped. I started to get really upset and I took my camera straight. It actually makes me cringe now. I took my camera straight <laughs> to my face and cried as I was processing oh my God. all of the emotion. And while at the time, bless my intentions were good, it's like, I just want you to see that we're all human. Like it was really leaky energy. I'd not given a second of integration. And to be honest, it's not great to the people who I was you know, subjecting them to experiencing that as well, because it's like, so almost like integration allows you to be grounded and embodied. The opposite of that is just leaky and um, yeah, it's not contained, you know? No, no. And I, I think it's like when people say, you know, I don't know what they actually say, but I'll paraphrase. Um, <laughs> when people say, um, you know, like if you want to teach something, that you're going through, that's okay as long as you've learned the lesson first because there's no point in teaching it if you're still integrating it. Yes. And so many people, especially on the gram, are doing this. They're educating, I say with inverted commas. Loosely. Mm. Educating people about a process that they're going through, but they actually haven't processed it. Yes. And so I'm I'm a really big believer about you. I mean, you can share your experiences, absolutely, but do not educate someone on something unless you've learnt the lesson and you're sharing the lesson. Yes, you've had to have been in the work, integrated the work and come out the other end of the work before you go, here's what you do. Yeah. So true. So true. It um it does really lend itself to that question on social media of comparison as well and thinking that people have all of these answers and, you know, oh, I need to keep up. It's like, no, actually, slow and steady in this regard, at least, when it comes to growth and evolution and development, the slower you're going, uh, not necessarily the slower you're going, but there's got to be some pauses. There's got to be some MIA moments. Otherwise, are you really doing the work? Yeah. And question the people, I mean, not to their face. I mean, you can if you want. It's not my style. But like, <laughs> question the people who are educating you to see where they are in the process. I mean, there's lots of different variants of it. But I think one that's fraught on Instagram is dietary advice coming from people who are living with eating disorders. Yes. And so, I mean, there's a million different examples that you could give instead of that, but that's just one that comes to mind. So just yeah. just be very wary of who is giving you this information and whether they've actually processed it themselves before they start to share it. Absolutely. And this is where that notion of, you know, you teach what you need to learn it becomes quite blurry because it's like, no, yes, you get drawn to learning more about, you know, eventually teaching maybe something you needed to learn. But if you're in the process of teaching while learning, then it's so blurred. It's so, so blurred. blurred. I mean, I, I'm a great example of that. I've just written a book about dating and relationships and I, <laughs> I had to learn all the shit first. You Before did? I could write about it, you oh. know, and I was learning it right up until the day I started writing, but I'd integrated it by the time I sat down to sit at that computer. Exactly. And it wasn't like this easy breezy journey for no. you. That's the other thing. It was like, oh my God, my soul and my heart. Yeah. And I had to integrate throughout the writing process as well. I had some yeah. big sessions with Zoe because I couldn't write it until I integrated it. 
Absolutely, mm. absolutely. Good chat, George. Yeah. Holly, what's your record this week? Well, it's a record that we've touched on briefly, but we've not really gone into detail, George. I'm recoing Voxer, the walkie-talkie app that you and I abbreviate to Vox all the time. And we always get people going, what is Vox? But the reason that I'm recommending Voxer, I mean, firstly, if you love voice notes, it's the ultimate voice note app. Uh, but I specifically downloaded Vox maybe three or four years ago now to keep up to keep on track with my daily gratitude practice. So for me, gratitude is an important part of my every day and I'm very much someone who needs to be held to account. So me and my best friend Leah every day for the last three years at least have sent each other voxes each day of the three things we're grateful for. But it's developed over time into, you know, catch-ups catch and just like random walkie-talkie updates. And you and I, Jord, love the Vox because it's just the quickest, most convenient way to talk to your people, right? It's funny though. Yes, yes. And I love that you use it for gratitude practice. But when I try and explain Voxer to people, they're like, why don't you just hop on a phone call? And my response is always because I get to say what I want to say without Holly interrupting me. But it's not really about that, is it? It's sort of like, I don't know, you get a chance to say what you want to say without interruption. No, that sounds selfish too. No, what is it, But Holly? it kind of is. I think it's space holding. Yeah. I think it's very much a space holding piece of I'm just going to say my piece and then you say back to me. But also it's in your own time. Mm. So, you know, if you're trying to have a phone call with a person every single day at the same time and you've got a million things going on, I actually find being able to jump on Vox when I've got a cacao in my hand or I'm going for a walk, it feels like more of a presence thing. Also, to be honest, I fucking hate phone calls yeah. I hate phone calls yeah <laughs> and I mean we'd be on the phone all day if we switched to phone calls over Vox yeah sometimes yeah. you send a 30 second Vox hey just want to tell you about this wild dream I had last night isn't it crazy bye like <laughs> so guys do with it what you will I love it for the reasons that I've shared I Jordan too. and I yeah, we, we love Voxer. Um, and there's a free version, which I use. Do you have the paid version or the free version? No, just the free version. I yeah. don't even know why you pay for it. Mainly, I think the paid version is you can take your thumb off the button when no, you record. I can take my thumb off the button. See, I used to be able to do that, but my Vox has changed. Have you deleted the app and reinstalled it? No. I'd try that. Okay, cool. Thanks. <laughs> what do you need, It probably just needs an update, Hol. <laughs> oh, yeah. I never update anything. Yeah. Ever. Um, I am wrecking, re recommending, <laughs> I'm recoing <laughs> a, um, a body moisturizer. Now I know that sounds really boring, but it's not guys. I have searched high and low for a body moisturizer that you can put on and it absorbs really well, but yeah. also keeps your skin soft and silky smooth yeah. because I find a lot of them are sticky and they stay sticky. They stay on the surface of your skin. Or they're too thin and they don't feel like they've actually moisturized. I like putting body oils on, but body oils as well, I kind of, I prefer them at night when I can go to bed not to wear out during the day. Anyway, my stepmom and my dad sent me a big brown paper package full of organic beauty products from this um store in Barrel in New South Wales, but they're online. So don't worry. You don't have to go to the Southern Highlands called Bare Body Beauty. And she makes all of these beautiful, minimal ingredients, beauty products. She's got so many things. Um, 
I have to say, I don't know her personally, don't be put off by the branding. I find the branding very cheap and nasty looking. And I just okay. want her to get a graphic designer and some better labels because I feel like the products are being undersold by the labels. Right. Yeah. So interesting. But her nourishing body moisturizer is amazing. It comes in a tub. It's $35, but you use the tiniest amount. It's like luxurious cream. It's silky. It's beautiful. And it absorbs really fast, but leaves your skin super smooth. I'm obsessed with it. It comes in a variety of scents. I've got the rose scented one and it's all essential oils. So there's no um, fragrance Fragrance. in there, Um, but they've got rose and vanilla, apricot and cacao (gasps) and lavender. Oh my gosh. I'm going to get apricot and cacao. It is honestly, it's so beautiful and I wouldn't recommend it unless I thought it was great, but they've, they've got a range of products that are really good. They've got, um, it's called Tub of Body Scrub. And you know that scrub recipe I gave you guys, like, you know, maybe last yeah. year? It was based on their Tub of Scrub. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I always trust your uh, skincare recos, George, because you have such beautiful skin. Thank you. So if you want to order some, guys, online and you're not in the Southern Highlands, it's barebodybeauty.com. Beautiful. Holly and I sat around one night. I don't think we were together. I think we were at opposite ends of New South Wales Hole, probably on Voxer. And we were going through all of the world leaders' natal charts. Do you remember that? I remember that. Yeah, I I was like, you'll never guess what Donald Trump is. You'll never guess what Putin is. You know, we kept going. (laughs) And we did Barack Obama, but you don't remember and I didn't remember and he's got a very, very telling chart. I absolutely love it. So your Guess oh, That Celebrity natal chart this week is Barack Obama. I have been thinking about this one. Okay. And I know he's a projector in human design, which is mm. very much like you and I. Mm. And I also know that he's, you you know, what are they called? The Enneagram, the ENFJ, whatever oh, that yeah, thing yeah. is. Myers-Briggs. We have. I have the same Myers-Briggs as him. Oh, so do I, Holly. I didn't know we had the same Myers-Briggs. Oh, my God. It's INFJ. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, my God. It's not funny. It's not funny. It's just so (laughs) typical of us. Okay. So what I'm trying to say is Jordan and I are basically Obama. (laughs) But I I really, really just relate to him. But we actually are basically Obama. Just so you know. Okay. This is so exciting (laughs) because I was like, all right. There are a few placements that came up, and and I'm just going to throw them out there. Don't say yes or no yet. Okay. But I get very strong Leo vibes from him. I get Gemini vibes from him. I get Virgo vibes from him. Okay. (laughs) So basically (laughs) us. But I'm just going to go, we'll scale back a little bit. He's a wonderful communicator with a little bit of cheek. Yeah. So... Don't you think like he he's eloquently spoken and articulate and smart? So tell please tell me there's an air sign. <laughs> At least one. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's Gemini. Yes. Okay. So there's Gemini placement. At least one. <clears throat> is he a double air sign? He is a double air sign. Okay, great. Well, I'm just gonna park that second air sign for a second. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> 
So now I'm torn. I'm actually torn between whether there's a fire placement that is Leo because of his performative nature, but he already has the Gemini, so I could kind of eliminate that. Or there could be more of an earth placement, Virgo-esque um, kind of leadership, although Leo, Leo is leadership as well. Okay. I'm really torn between Leo and Virgo. Is there a Leo placement? <laughs> yeah, there is. Okay, great. I'm part, So there's no earth? No. So he's double air fire. Yeah. And he's a Gemini. Leo. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> okay. So there's another air placement and... Oh, Aquarius would make sense. He's yeah. Aquarian. Okay. Yeah. Well, Leo. Okay. So Gemini, Aquarian, Leo. Oh, my God. This is the best natal chart I've ever done. <laughs> okay. Where do we place these? I want you to also guess his Mercury at the end just for shits and giggles. Okay. I can do that. Um, Barack Obama is – I'm going to go Aquarius moon. No. Okay. Is it an air moon? Yes. Oh, that's good. Okay, so it's Gemini moon. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's Gemini moon, Leo rising. No. So he's a Leo. He's Leo sun. He's the 4th of August. Oh, my God. So Leo sun, Aquarius moon, Gemini rising. No, no, no. Oh, no. Leo sun. Leo sun, Gemini, Gemini moon, moon, Aquarius rising. Yeah. Good chart, Double F, eh? I, Leo, Gemini. Oh, we would get along, but also be in strong competition with each other. What do you reckon his Mercury is? For some reason, Aquarius popped up. Mm-mm. Is it an Earth Mercury? Mm-mm. You're kidding. What? Leo. Yeah. I can see it. Because he's so cheeky and performative and funny and gets the crowd going. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and all of our um world leader chat just flooded back in because Trump is a Gemini, right? Yeah. He has like a few Gemini placements, I'm I pretty think sure. So. Yeah, so Donald Trump, oh interesting. This is so interesting. So he is a double fire heir. Donald Trump is a Gemini sun, um, Leo rising. And a Sag moon. And that's so interesting because, of course, he's a Leo rising. He's such a performer. I mean, he's a reality TV star. He's terrible (laughs) at communicating, but he does use his hands a lot, which is very Gemini. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. And and air and fire mixed together, especially when it's fire overload. Well, Holy moly. And also, if, you don't, if you're not a balanced human that does work on yourself. Yeah. Um, his oh, Mercury God. is in Cancer, which makes sense. Um, yeah. And his Mars is also in Leo. So he's, wow. very, he's very much a performer, which is what he is. He performs. He doesn't actually talk from the heart. No, no. He lives for the drama mm. in in a big way. Wild. He's got a so lot of Gemini placements. He's got yeah, a Gemini that. Sun, Gemini Uranus, Gemini North Node, three. That's and enough. then two Leo. <laughs> three four. Leo. He's also got his Pluto three. in Leo. Fucking hell. Okay. It explains a lot. There you go. There you go, guys. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there was a week not too long ago where three of my best friends had birthdays four days apart. 
Yes. And it got me thinking, when I say I love Geminis, I really genuinely love mm. Geminis because it's you... not like I purposely went out of my way to pick you guys as my fr- best no, friends. No, you're attracted you know? to them. Right? And mm. this is this piece around calling in friendships that have certain patterns in their natal charts. I know. It's so interesting. It's like the majority of my friends growing up were Pisceans. And, like, you guys know me and how I feel about Pisceans. So that's so weird, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> so weird. I, I think can't I, even I think that. I was attracted to their quirkiness. Like, they're all a bit strange in a good way, you know? Mm, totally. So mm. what about now, Jord? Like, who do you find yourself – what signs do you find yourself drawn to? Uh, very, oh, I don't know who I'm particularly drawn to, but if I look at my friendship groups now, I've got a lot of um, fire friends, so Leo and Aries. Yeah. I've got quite yeah. a few um, air friends, like a lot of Libran friends. Um, yes. And I'm very much drawn to air in someone's chart. I just, because, I mean, we've spoken about it a million times, but I'm just so attracted to conversation and intellectual stimulation. And I I just get that from the airs, you know? Like all of my mm. friends have air placements in their sun, moon, or rising. That is so interesting. That's the same as me. In fact, you and I both, like most of our best friends are double air something. Yeah. Isn't that weird? It's wild. It's wild. I don't have many no that's not true I was gonna say I don't have many earth friends but I actually do I love earth signs like I'm very attracted Mm -hmm. to them in terms of relationships um but if I looked at my earth sun friends I'd say a lot of them have air in their chart I have so many so the the ones that are attracted I attract the most are Gemini's obviously like literally at Leah's birthday the other day um me and one of her really good friends that we always catch up at Leah things, you know, we're not friends without Leah there, although we should be. Cause I was like, what's your natal chart? She's like, Oh, I don't know. And I was like, let's get it up. Five Gemini placements. I'm like, no wonder I'm obsessed with you. But the other placement is Virgo. I've got lots and lots of beautiful Virgo sons around me and I love them. Yeah. I've got lots of Virgos too. It's funny. I had um, some friends over for my birthday and the group was split into two. We had the Virgos and we had the Aries. So there was like fire <laughs> and earth. And then there was just me in the middle. I was just like, I kind of, I kind of relate to you Virgos, but I also don't. The Virgos wanted to re um, organize my desk, my apartment, okay. because they just couldn't see how I could possibly work at the desk. <laughs> oh my God, you can't scoot this stuff. And I was like, I get it. Like my Virgo moon's not happy about it, but my Gemini sun and rising couldn't be bothered doing anything about it. I feel that at a soul level. But this is the thing, isn't it? Because you look at someone's sun and you can ask them their star sign, but if they don't know their natal chart, I'm I'm at the verge of it now, Jord, where I'm like, let's get you co-star. I need to know the intricate workings of your soul. And I don't even, uh, honestly, like if someone just tells me their sun, it's it's just not enough for me at all. I, I agree. I can read into it at all. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to help um, five placement Gemini. She's seeing a Sagittarius, Sagittarian. And I was like, well, do you know his whole chart? She's like, no, Holly, it's been like a couple of dates. I'm like, well, I can't give you any advice. <laughs> like, sorry, but I need to know where his Venus is. I need to know where his Mars is. This is not helping me. I could write a whole coffee table book on how to sneakily find out someone's natal chart. <laughs> 
Can you give us some tips, please? <laughs> no, I think I've spoken about them on the potty before. <laughs> or maybe it was in the middle membership. You know, there's just ways to weave it into conversation that's quite subtle. You know, yeah, see, I mean, the time something. you were born's a bit hard, but you can get there. You, you can get there. See, I just come right out. I'm just like, do you have CoStar? And if not, let's get it right now. Yeah. And sometimes people have said no, and they're likely a Scorpio. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny, my um last, latest boyfriend, latest, last, last guy I dated, he, um when we were in the initial chatting stages, he asked me if I had CoStar. Oh, my God, I love that. And, I and like, you were like, yeah, I do. <laughs> He's like, I great, let's let's see if we're matched. And I was like, this is outrageously wonderful. Well, it's so telling, isn't it? I have so many friends on my co-star and some of my best, best friends, it's like, you guys are not compatible. And so I guess that's telling in itself, isn't it? It's like, remember, take it with a grain of salt. There's life experience and common interests. Yeah, and all but those also, and I, I don't know if we've spoken about this before, but we kind of mentioned it in the moon episode that we did. The way that CoStar works is that it compares you, it compares your suns and your moons and your ascendants and your, you know, Mercuries. It doesn't compare your Venus with their Mars or your moon with their sun. So it doesn't actually give you a full picture because it's just an algorithm. So just keep that, bear that in mind, guys. It's so true, but it's also so funny when you've got like one of your best friend's husbands and me and him, I've never seen a more compatible thing on CoStar in my life. I'm like, oh, we're like meant to be right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the other thing I want to say just while we're talking about this stuff is I know a few episodes ago, Holly and I spoke about the natal chart that Jules Ferrari did for us. Mm. I listened back to it, guys. The audio is terrible. I'm so sorry. It's such a good interview, but it would be so frustrating to listen to. And it's just not worth it. And Jules has just had a baby. Otherwise, I'd beg her to re-record it with us. But it's just it's just not going to happen. So I'm so sorry because I, I didn't actually think you guys would be as excited as you were. And now I can't deliver it. That's okay. What we can tell you is that Jordan and I are exceptionally compatible. Exceptionally. Jules was blown <laughs> away by it. She's like, whoa, guys. She was actually <laughs> freaked out. She's like, Do you, the fact that you guys have a podcast together is literally written in the stars. Yeah. And that's, I guess, that's something to get excited about if you guys are keen on exploring compatibility with someone that you work with or a bestie or a lover, know that that is out there for you to do and see what is written in the stars for you guys. And it goes deeper than CoStar, but it's so juicy and exciting. Yeah. Just be prepared for what gets brought brought up. Brought it's up, true. I was going to yeah. say. Brought up. <laughs> she speaks about the triggers as well and ways that the relationship will bring out maybe not necessarily the best in you. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? It's I was so going crazy. through my mum's old natal charts that she got done before I was born. So they're handwritten and that she did a compatibility read for my mum and dad. And basically they were like, you should never be together and you're not going to work. And like, it's karmic for your children and that's it. And it was, she nailed it. She actually nailed it. So yeah, just be forewarned. Do you remember what initially attracted you to me? Oh, that is such a good question. I loved I loved your yes, your posts on social because they were so well articulated and I really respect good writing mm. and I loved that you were writing about things like the moon and astrology but in a way that was very much not the way everyone else was doing it. Mm. It stood out to me. And then when I went to Luna Lover a couple of times, I'm like, I like this gal. Because you were very, you're very, 
you're not in your face. Like you really hold your own. And I was drawn to that. Yeah. Do you think that is, what is that? My Virgo moon? Yeah, that's not Gemini. No. I mean, the Gemini in terms of the way that you communicate, yes. But I, th- I, I feel it's your Virgo placement because I've got so many in the in my chart too. Mm. I can see your soul, you know. Yeah. <laughs> ah! <laughs> I can see it and it's I like so it. It's so interesting because what first initially attracted me to you was I found you so engaging um, and articulate with your words because you were doing a lot of screen time video stuff then, yes. you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you always expressed yourself in a way that was very clear. And I also really respected that because there was so much noise on social, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I love that we were both drawn to our way with words, which again, it speaks to what's in our nature. But I, I've said this time and time again, there will be people who will meet us, Jord, and be like, oh, I can't be around their energy because we're, we can be a lot for people as well. And so that's like compatibility speaking. Y- y- it's I feel that I'm a lot of energy for, say, water signs um, with heavy water charts, you know? Yeah. it's It can be a lot. So, yeah, it's not like... <laughs> we're the best and everyone needs to like us and like, no. like our chart. No, like, no. no, we are heavy for some charts as well. And oh, we get that. Absolutely. But it's funny. Like I, I keep, I keep bringing her up. She actually listens to the potty. So, Hey, you know who you are. My triple water friend, like we get on so well and we've gotten on since we met when we were 18. Um, but I shouldn't really get on with a triple water. You know what yes. I mean? Yeah. But no. it just works. So, yeah, there's so many there's- different factors to put in. Actually, this guy that I've been, let's just say, loosely flirting with, he's got a perfect chart for me, like so perfect, but I'm not feeling it at all. Yeah, so it's like you can't, you just, you just can't always go back to the natal chart for no. Yeah, just just pay attention to the energies that you draw in, and and yeah, the maybe it's even the elements rather than the signs itself. It's just so funny that yeah. With there's no coincidence that for me it is Gemini's and Virgos. I'm like, yes. Do you know what I don't have? What I don't have? What don't you have? I don't have Libra friends as in Libran sons. Oh my God, I've got so many. Yeah, when you said that, I was like, wild. I have Libra moon moon friends. I have Libra rising friends. I have heavy Libra chart friends. I don't have Libra sun friends. Trent does. Lots of lots of his mates are Libra sons. Interesting. Well, Ruby's a Libra son, so she can be your friend. She is my friend. <laughs> You've been listening to The Middle with your host, Holly Azapati and Jordana Levine. Join us on Facebook. Just search The Middle Podcast and it should come up. You can also become a Middle member. We've got a special Facebook group for Middle members. And to do that, you can click the link in the show notes of this episode or search it in the Facebook group or click the link in the Instagram bio and it should take you through that membership page. Um, we do, what do we do in there, Hole? We do wine nights. We do energy reads every Friday. We have a group coaching call. Yeah, we've got a group coaching call coming up and we're going to, we haven't quite decided on what that's going to be. So if you have any ideas and anything that you want to learn about in depth, feel free to let us know. Um, you can search us on Instagram by typing in the underscore middle underscore podcast and press follow. Until Woo. next week. <laughs>
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 